Welcome to Trusted Tech Talks podcast. This week, uh, we're going to be covering a topic that's become just more and more prevalent. Some clients are saying they, they want a front-end or a back-end developer that specialize in one, one specific area. Uh, and some other smaller business, more SME companies prefer having a full-stack developer in their team. Now, this has led us uh, asking more people, like, does a full-stack developer really exist? So, uh, to get some opinions from experts, uh, we've got Anthony with us today uh, to educate us a, a little bit further on his view. How are we doing, Anthony? You doing okay? Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm uh, I'm doing really well. Thank you. No problem at all. <laughs> How about you? Um, yeah, very well. The, the I was just I was just sending a colleague. These days are absolutely flying by. Um, mm. Yeah, things are just going like quicker than ever. It's crazy that we're nearly into the sixth month, halfway through the year. I know. Uh, same for me. Yeah, it's, I guess time flies when you're busy, right? <laughs> yeah, when, for sure. When you're having fun as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world, but. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, Anthony, before we, we jump into the discussion, um, just give us a bit of an overview on your experience, like where you're working at the moment and, and what mm -hmm. you do within the company. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Uh, happy to do that. So um, so hi, everyone. I am, My name is Anthony Carapetridis. I'm a, I'm a, a tech. What's, what's my official title? Hold on. Uh, my title is a, sta a staff software engineer, according to the U.S., um, you know, kind of role descriptions. Mm -hmm. um, what you would call this in the UK is probably like a dev team lead, pretty much. Um, so I'm working at a company called Truepill. Uh, Truepill was a company that started in uh, in the US and it, it was a Silicon Valley startup. Now we've reached a point where like we're a scale up, pretty much. Um, they started in the Silicon in Silicon Valley about four years ago, approximately, and they came to the UK about two years ago or so. Um, so they have an office established in, in Manchester. Um, we, the, the core, the, the, the core purpose of, of the company is to, as per their, like their motto and their tagline is, uh, to revolutionize healthcare, uh, by offering, uh, these interconnected, uh, healthcare APIs that any of our, of our clients can integrate with and offer pharma pharmaceutical services to their own clients. So um, because we're a licensed pharmacy, both in the US and the UK, we can, um, like we have clients that are uh, small or medium enterprises uh, and they can offer, or we even have like large corporations that are clients in the US actually. And um, they can integrate with our APIs and offer pharmaceutical services to their own clients, like uh, 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 filling prescriptions, d uh, dispatch, um, you know, fulfillment, renewals of prescriptions, uh, all, you know, d uh, dispensing medications, all of those services. So that's what we, that's what we do. Um, I am, uh, like I told you, a staff uh, software engineer. So I'm currently leading a, a group of about, um, well, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leading a group of about 10 software engineers. Uh, and we're, they're, they're split into like subgroups, but I'm kind of like supervising the both of them. Mm -hmm. um, and we're working on this really, really big project that's really exciting right now. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think it pretty much covers it. Uh, we've um, yeah, this we're we're meant to go live with this really big customer in the U.S. Uh, in uh, at the end of June, so you can imagine that right now we're kind of 
trying to make sure that everything's <laughs> working properly. We're entering UAT testing next week, so like if there's it's a bit of a, a bit of a, of a rush, let's say right now. Yeah, <laughs> well, I appreciate having having you actually on the call, taking a bit of time out. So no, I do do yeah. appreciate that. Um, yeah. Fine, you you've been with uh, True Pillars coming up to eight nine months now. So yeah, I joined in uh, October. Um, so that's about uh, what, like, yeah, uh, seven, eight months or so. Um, yeah, I joined back in October and even though it seems like it's, it's relatively a short amount of time, like there's a lot that I've had gotten my, got, got the chance to work on and, uh, got my hands dirty from the very beginning. So that's been really good. Yeah. Um, I guess it's probably worth mentioning that, you know, before I joined Chupil, I was, uh, part of the BBC. I was working on, uh, with, uh, with voice platforms it was part of the voice and ai department mm-hmm. um and then prior to that i was part of the sage group um so i was working on one of their web applications for uh cloud accounting software and um prior to that i'll just my last thing i promise <laughs> uh <laughs> i was um i was working in a consultancy so i have some consult let's say experience as a, as a software engineer obviously but um i i have i had a glimpse of not a glimpse it was it was it was a, it was a five-year period that i worked there for uh so i i really got an understanding of you know what it's like to have you know multiple clients working on different projects changing projects frequently and having multiple things going at the same time mm-hmm. so um yeah i think that that has kind of like influenced my my opinion on what we're talking about today so that's yeah. why I that. do you know what this uh, this is slightly off topic um I, and because i yeah and you might be able to help me out because you've got an experience of, of working in consultancies and in house now whenever i look at working at a consultancy all i see is you work on a couple of uh, project for maybe six 12 months and then you move on to the next one and you don't really see a, a like that particular business or project flourish or, or a particular product Mm-hmm. I always wonder what is the main motivator to work in a consultancy apart from sometimes like infinity works, they pay ridiculously high salaries and yeah. <laughs> that's always nice. But yeah. What, what was the kind of motivation for you? Suppose? Um, for me, it was, I, I guess that the benefit for me was, um, so yeah, this is always going to be my perspective, right? Um, and I can't speak on behalf of anyone else. But when I yeah. that was that was my first job after university that I that I joined this consultancy, um, and at the point at that time, my um, my my you know I was kind of you know I was still young. My outlook on you know what I want to do, I was very eager and excited to get involved in things, and mm-hmm. I also was very sentimental about this, and I wanted. For me at that point, I had a choice, actually. This is like a pretty cool, cute, interesting anecdote, I think. I had a choice at that point to join this consulting that I joined, which was a very, it was a small company. Like it was, it wasn't anything massive like Infinity Works or or Accenture or anything like that. Um, It was a small consultancy based in Newcastle. They're called Transcendent. They're a fantastic, fantastic company. Um, And... They, uh, it was about at the time when I joined, and I think now their numbers haven't changed much. There was about 25 people or so working in total, including like, you know, support develop, um, directors, support engineers, and uh, software engineers. Yeah. Uh, so a very small company we're talking here. Um, and, but I was, when, when I joined them, I was torn between, I had an offer from Hewlett Packard and I had an offer oh, from yeah. them. And I was like, I feel I felt more like it, it was a more warm environment for me to join uh, Transcendent, mm-hmm. and so I felt like I, I, w- I would 
be in a more comfortable environment where you know learn things and feel comfortable there and everyone was like very it was a very family-like uh setting so i went for that now the the benefit that i found working there was like i said you know being fresh out of university i wanted to um get that sort of experience i wanted to be somewhere where i felt very comfortable and i didn't I wouldn't uh, feel, you know, competition, if you want to put it that way, or I, I, I don't know, like, but th- those are my, that was my mind, my mind back then. I wasn't very, um, I guess, uh, I wanted to feel comfortable. That's, that's the short version of, of my answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, what I did find though, which was the benefit of working at a small company like that was that you had, we had long-term clients. So I, that, that example that you mentioned about being on a project for 12 months and then shifting every 12 months or every eight, nine months or whatever, I didn't experience that, which was great. So we had new projects coming in and I would be involved, like be, obviously, like I said, being a small company, there weren't that, the, 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 the roles weren't that strict. So um, I was involved in, you know, like, designing architecture of systems. I was also designing and implementing those. I was also involved in project managing those things. And, you know, uh, I, I was, we had an in-house designer that would help us design some of these uh, uh, UI interfaces, but I was also sometimes involved in, you know, making some design tweaks and stuff like that. So I was wearing multiple hats and that was, it really helped me gain lots of knowledge across multiple domains and, you know, put put my skills into, into, into use. Um, but the benefit, like I said before, was that I, uh, w- when a new project came along and I was involved in like coming up with a plan for it and designing it and everything after it went live, that wasn't the end. I was still on supporting it, you know, like w- mm-hmm. along with my other colleagues and my other software engineers that we we're working with on, on the, on those projects. But it didn't mean that after the end and it, after we was, you know, deployed to production, migrations run and everything that that was it. And, you know, hand it off to the client and it's up to them. So I really enjoyed that part that, you know, the continuous support and, you know, like bug fixes, improvements and things like that. It was like an ongoing process. It was a journey that I went on with the customers. Yeah. Um, I really liked that part. Um, I guess now, again, I haven't worked in a consultancy like where um, every, you know, like you said, like a big and big consultancies like Infinity Works or, or Accenture or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. where I, where you, you probably be end up, you know, shifting projects very frequently, but I guess the, you know, it, it, I guess it, it comes around to personal preference, doesn't it? Like if you, if you enjoy the very, the variety and the change, you get bored easily. Cause I know some people do, uh, yeah. maybe that's for you, but yeah. if you want maybe longevity and you know, like, if, if you get emotionally attached to some, to some projects, then <laughs> I guess that that that's a benefit that you can get from a smaller company, right? Yeah, very true. I, I guess like you, uh, you think you hit nail on the head there. Really comes down to the, the individual's personal pre- preference and, and drivers and, and how they work as as an individual. Yeah, um, I suppose. And yeah, you, you definitely touched on a really good point there about wearing multiple hats, and I think that ties in nicely with the mm-hmm. uh, with the actual the the podcast itself. Kind of um, yeah. ju- jumping into the kind of well, your thoughts, I guess. I mean. Do you mm-hmm. believe there's such thing as a, a full stack developer then, Anthony, as somebody who's who wears multiple hats in the business? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like I I have been full stack for most of my career. I've um, I've had times where like um, 
maybe the the particulars of a project or of you know the 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 piece that we're working on at the moment is more back end focused or more front end focused. Um, I've even been like when I was at the BBC, like I mentioned before, when we were working on uh, voice technologies, that was all back end focused. There was no obviously there's no UI when you're talking about voice, <laughs> but I was lucky enough because we worked on um, another project. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't. Um, it, it, it was released in beta, but it never got out of beta. And unfortunately, it was discontinued at the BBC. Uh-huh. It was uh, BBC's own voice assistant called Beeb, but unfortunately, that got discontinued. What, what was it called? It was called Beeb. Oh, uh, Beeb. Yeah, it was BBC's own voice assistant. And we entered in, a, in beta on uh, only for Windows platforms. Uh, and the, the vision back then was that we would expand that to, to be available on mobile, but also to integrate with like, you know, iPlayer and to integrate with BBC Sounds and have like a, a, a voice assistant that you could use to search for content on all the, on the other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't make it to that stage. But um, while I was working on that project, we got, I was involved in like working a little bit, you know, there were, there were periods of time, like a few months, we were working on building some bots for the back end bots um, that would, you know, like, you know, receive after we went through voice recognition to get the payload, you know, like do whatever the bot needed to do, like fetch the weather forecast or fetch the news for uh, the news updates and stuff like that. And then return that to the front end component. Mm-hmm. But then um, I guess the, I was lucky enough because after we got involved in building a UI for this, um, for this voice assistant that was, you know, I, like I said, only in beat on, 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 um, on uh, windows. Machine. Windows. Yeah. Yeah. So the UI was a beautiful, I mean, in my opinion, it was beautiful <laughs> because I was involved in it. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, no, not objective on that, but it was a really interesting UI because there was, um, we had these, um, these things we called minims, like there were little dots that moved okay. on the screen and, and created shapes. So when the user, the idea for that was to kind of um, convey a, a message or like a, a feeling basically depending on what the user was doing on the screen at the time or w- w- yeah. how the user was interacting with the assistant so when the user was um, asking for something the assistant would take the, the, the UI would change shape and take the the shape of sort of like an ear and it would move with the, with the input from the microphone and they, they would they would kind of like pulsate according to the input from the microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the, when the assistant was responding, we would again, like change the shape and respond as if it was like a speaker producing sound waves and it was pulsating according to the output. Um, or then when the assistant was thinking, we had like a different sort of animation that was running. And when there was idle, we had like a different, like sort of like a raindrop kind of animation that was running. Um, mm-hmm. All of these things were like, it was a period of time for like about, I don't know, four or five months that I was very, very heavily focused on front end and building those animations gave me like, you know, like a new um, understanding of like, you know, how complex these things could be. And like, I learned a lot of things from that, from that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the short, uh, this, I'm probably going a bit off topic here, but um, <laughs> the, the point I was trying to make is that, you know, I've had periods when I've had to focus on more backend or more frontend things, but overall, I've always made sure, like, you know, I've always covered 
um, everything back end and front end and in all of my positions that I've been in. And I've been lucky enough to do that. Um, nice. Yeah, I, just, just sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, in regards to podcasts and going off, uh, going off the tangents, that that's what they're. I think that's what they're here for. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this discussions and actually just talking about things because there's naturally people out there who relate. They're like, "Wow, that was quite interesting to know about." It. And again, mm-hmm. you never know what could spark motivation or, or or an idea or creativity for for somebody else. So, yeah, um, I always think it's important. I guess. Um, right. So, so just on that. So, so Anthony, I guess, I, I mean the benefits of, of being a full stack developer because mm-hmm. to me and, and an outside an outside person as somebody who works within um the kind of tech recruitment scene mm-hmm. like a front-end developer in manchester still gets paid the same as a, as a full stack developer yet a full stack developer does more in my opinion and from 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 an outside perspective so what is the benefits of, of being like a, a full stack developer mm-hmm. I, in my opinion being a full stack developer the, the, the benefit of being a full stack developer is that um, it, you can, I, w- I was thinking about this the other day, like when, when we start talking about this podcast and now like, I think <laughs> my, my, my general feeling is that you are better, you can be a better developer if you are at least not, not, not only aware, but if you have knowledge of how the other systems operate and how it, what it's like to be, developer for the other system so like um if 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 you want to say that you know if if you're working on a front-end piece for instance it it really benefits you to know what a back-end piece look what what the back-end counterpart looks like and how it operates because that will make you design a better front-end piece and then vice versa like if you are working on a back-end piece it would really help to understand how the front end works because um, it allows for better communications between those two things. So creating an interface that um, solves the problems that both counterpart, both both parts need is, is, is a skill of its own, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think it just, I think my main argument about being a full stack um, engineer is that having awareness of multiple systems that whether that is, you know, like design, whether that is, you know, databases, um, uh, integration, you know, continuous integration or continuous deployment pipelines, infrastructure, um, or just plain old, you know, like, you know, APIs and how those, how those communicate with each other and what, you know, what uh, payloads are expected from the APIs. Um, I think having that awareness of like all of the systems and multiple different things will make you a better, uh, a better developer on what you're working on, even if you're focusing on one particular thing. Um, and I think additionally, like something that people don't even probably don't even think about so much is that one of the, 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 the pros of being a full stack developer is that it probably makes you more attractive for job potential. Doesn't it? Like, yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, like generally speaking, anyone could fall into like the, the, there is this, you know, there, there is a generalist specialist argument that you can find in any industry, <laughs> any yeah. domain. And, you know, the, we, we can go down that rabbit hole of, you know, like, but I'm a specialist in this. And like, <laughs> you know, I guess it's, it's a similar thing. Like, you know, what is the pro, the, what is the, um, 
it does it mean that your like your GP is a general practitioner and is a, is aware of you know all of your body's functions? Is does that make them less of a scientist or like lesser of a right. of of a of a, um, of a of a specialist than going to an eye doctor or like um, a skin doctor, you know, dermatologist? Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 the same arguments could be applied to any industry, um, but I think that yeah, just to just to reiterate what I said before, like having that awareness, having that knowledge of all the other systems will make you better at what you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. You can design better systems, better communications, better architectures. And, um, and not only that, but like, I like, I like working in teams that are multidisciplinary. I like working in places like, again, that's personal preference, but like, yeah. I like working in, in places where someone um, like I, uh, I, 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 I have worked in places where, for instance, this is like an example. I've worked in places where, for instance, a designer didn't know how to, you know, like uh, wasn't really familiar with like, you know, CSS specific things, but they were more familiar with, um, you know, creating images on Photoshop and creating, you know, creating th- things on Figma potentially or, uh, or Zeppelin, you know, like placing things in a certain way, creating wireframes, creating like a UX, but they weren't so much familiar with like, okay, how does that translate to actual, you know, um, CSS, like styling rules and, you know, in you know, coding language. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I have worked in places where like the designer was very familiar with, was, was very much involved in you know, creating wireframes, creating the UX experience for like going through a certain uh, path. But they were able to work with the developers and be like, okay, yeah. no, if you tweak this animation value to like 0.25 and, you know, tweak this value to be like, tweak the padding here. Like they, they had, they were able to give us more inputs in yeah. how us developers could find the solution and finish the piece. Yeah. Wow. So like, that's a, yeah. I, I, so I've, I've enjoyed working in multidisciplinary teams where like we're all involved in, like it's gonna sound weird but like we're all involved in each other's business pretty much (laughs) yeah like um i liked working in teams where like a tester is not just someone that you you know like you you throw the bag over the fence and then they pick it up and they try to (laughs) test it like i really enjoyed working in places where like the tester was involved in like a pairing or a mobbing session and was giving us input on how we can approach running a test for a certain problem and um what's a good test use case and what's a bad test use case. So I guess by extension, I've really enjoyed working in teams where the developers are, again, multidisciplinary. They work on both front end and back end things and they can give you input. And, you know, it's, it's all about a point of view, isn't it? And like sure. what, what your experience so far has taught you and how you can put that into how that will give you a different perspective on what you're working on. So any sort of different perspective is is valuable, I think. Yeah, yeah, that, that you def, definitely touched on a, on a few, yeah, some really good points there. Um, mm-hmm. Like especially like when it, when it comes to hiring as well, and actually that's something that I I've an invested interest in when when you said that. Um, but that, that that's one of the problems that we have faced um, with, with hiring managers. Like, no, we don't want a full stack developer if he just doesn't want to do front end. I don't want to speak to him <laughs> or or, okay. or her. Um, so no, it's it's really interesting that you said that, and it is I guess the way you've been like who, like who's been mentoring you over the years like 
um, mm-hmm. like all of these little things have, have major influences, I guess. So, so mm-hmm. Anthony, from your perspective, um, like what, what do you think like a, a future developer looks like uh, in, in your opinion? I know mm-hmm. Sabira thought there was going to be a, a, just a, a robot machine, but, <laughs> but <laughs> um, she was only kidding. But what, yeah, what, what, what's your kind of viewpoint on, on, a, on, a, on a future developer? There was a while when I thought that, yeah, it's going to be a machine for sure. But, <laughs> um, and like, you know, there was, I had seen these things pop up a while ago about, I, I remember there was this, I can't remember what the name of it was, but there was this uh, like similar template engine, similar to like WordPress, if you, if you want to imagine it. And, but you would just give it the content somehow and it would generate a page for you. Yeah. Uh, like based on like, you know, it would already have like layouts already there for you and images. And they, those were like as allegedly dynamically generated and were specific to your, uh, t- to your use case. But, um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's going to put me out of a job pretty soon, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't think that ever took off. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to be a robot in the future, because um, there's so many things that are like, you know, Technologies are changing every single day, right? Yeah. And I, like to, to touch on the previous, uh, like to, to kind of like a, make a connection with a previous point, like there's so many new technologies that are coming out that are starting to blur the lines between front end and back end. Like mm-hmm. these, like with the coming up of, um, like with new technologies like, like Next.js or Gatsby, uh, yeah. things like that, you, you can, you know, like you have, um, the, the, the concept of running things server side versus client side is slightly getting blurred now. So like, I do see a future where like, you know, these things like where, where like there won't be a distinction anymore between front end and back end. It will be like, Oh, you're a, dev- you're a software engineer, you're a developer. You can, you know, it's, it's, you can do anything pretty much like, whether that's, you know, like react or it's JavaScript, or it's, uh, it's um, node, you know, like it's, it's going to be like a blend. I think um, the only difference might be like, you know, if you have styling knowledge or not <laughs> yeah. um, to like, you know, write your CSS or not write your CSS. But even that I think is going to like, you know, we, we, we've gone there, there are so many like different frameworks of how you can write your styles and things like that. So I do think that's going to be like, you know, part of this blend that's coming up, I think yeah. is going to be to include styles as well and everything. Hmm. I um just, uh, just while, whilst you actually, you said that I was just thinking on whenever I jump on YouTube or like I want to watch something, mm-hmm. I usually, when an advert pops up, there was one, I think it was for like a company called Bubble or like a tech called Bubble. And mm-hmm. I think it was like a no code platform or something like that. And I thought to myself, wow, well, is this like the new kind of way of like creating software or whatever? But um, is that, is that kind of what you were, what you were kind of talking about there, like a no code platform or? Potentially, yeah. I, I don't know how this. I haven't seen this, so I don't know like what how this bubble there, looks like. There, to be honest. Yeah, there. Um, I think there's a few like Airtable and stuff, and essentially it's like the the way they advertise it is like, oh, you you don't need to like create multiple thousands of line of code. Just do use this. It's kind of drag and drop, and it'll do it all for you. Kind of. Um, oh, okay, I get it. So, but that's that sounds like it's very similar to like in like what WordPress does. Like you don't have to worry about coding, right? You just uh, put drag and drop. Drag and drop. Yeah. And it will create a blog post or a page. You can change the page layout for you, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but naturally, whenever I seen that, because of my knowledge, it is naturally going to be limited compared to people like yourself. But I, I, in my head, I thought, wow, is this like the future of like what software looks like? But um, probably a conversation for another time. Yeah, probably. Uh, for sure. But no, in, interesting, um, strong insight. So, Anthony, from, from your perspective, then, after obviously having so many years of experience in the industry, what advice would you give a young Anthony um, if he if he was to start out his software journey all over again? Um, I would say um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I, I get I don't want to deviate too much, but like it was it's I when I when I finished university, so like I I studied in in I did my undergrad in Greece, and I came to the UK to do my masters, and um, I actually did a masters in business. Uh, but anyway, I got into web development after that. But mm. um, when I finished and I graduated from my from my undergrad in Greece, I vowed never to become a developer. Oh right! I took an, a promise. I said I promised myself like I'm never become a developer, uh, <laughs> a programmer. I said back then. Um, I think it had to do with the way that I was taught and the, the languages I was taught. I didn't find them interesting at all. Like I was taught, I was taught Java and C Mm-hmm. Um, C++ was a bit more interesting but Java I found like I didn't like it at all and I couldn't see the use of like what's the purpose of me you know like writing this code and then having to compile it how do I share with anyone that wants to see it like I I've, I've, I found barriers and like man, the way that I was the things that I was taught I guess is is, 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 is probably a, a good description of it yeah. but then I discovered web and my whole perception changed. Like it really turned my world upside down because I was I was studying. I was uh, I was doing like a. It wasn't an MBA. It was I was doing a business degree basically, and um, I wanted to like shift and go into that. But then like one of the modules in my business degree was um, you know like f- uh, just just uh, JavaScript, CSS, and you know just web HTML programming pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that kind of like I, I had never been taught javascript before that um i had never been taught sorry well I, I i knew some basic javascript stuff but i had never been taught the whole thing of you know writing in a notepad just a little bit of html pulling in some css and putting some javascript that can run in any browser uh would create your web page for some reason like that was that was that was sort of new to me back then yeah. um and that really turned my world upside down so i guess my 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 advice to my younger self was like, don't dismiss things uh, from the get-go. Like there are other things out there that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my advice would be to my younger self, like, you know, programming is not just Java. It's, there's all of these other things out there in the world. And like, the, like the, the more, like the older I get, like the more I discover new things that I wasn't aware of before or new things that are coming up. And like, it's this constant discovery that is, you know, my, my younger self was quite um, quite um, scared of, I guess. But yeah. my older self is like, I find the, the beauty in it as well. That like, this is a constantly ever, evolving um, world, I guess, that we yeah. live that that program us programmers live in um so many new technologies coming up and like you know like from within a span of six months what you're doing might be out of date right yeah um so it's 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 you have to look at it from like the bright side and like taking the good things that 
um, that this is going to be a journey that of, of self-discovery <laughs> and discovery yeah. of new things I and mean, like learning new things constantly. And that could be, that could be a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I just, guess, yeah, my advice to my younger self is like, you know, don't be afraid of the discovery and the, the, the learning process of, of learning new things, just embrace it. Yeah. So just, just on that, that's quite interesting. So whenever you mention like you, the, the older you've got, the more you've learned, is this like the more you've learned about things like, wow, like how, how did I, how did I not know that? Or are these like, are there more like new, new things, I guess, like coming through or a bit of both, I suppose? I, I guess a bit of both. Yeah. Like how did I, how did I not know about Kubernetes before, but now I am <laughs> learning about it. Um, yeah. I didn't know about Docker and all that, but like I had never actually worked. I, I knew about Kubernetes, but like I'd never worked with Kubernetes until like my current position. Um, so my, I guess my, my, my thing was, oh, wow. How did I, there's so many pros to this. Like there's so many things you can do with this. Um, but it's also, you know, discovering new things and new technologies like, um, I've been, I've been, um, what's the one thing that we've been, that, um, we've been working with this, um, like uh, when I discovered there, when I discovered lambdas cloud functions yeah. on AWS, that really blew my mind. Like, wow, that's, that's like no need for servers, like serverless technologies that, that completely blew my mind. Like no need for like deployments, setting up connections to databases and like you know <laughs> replicas and all of that like all of the, the, those cloud functions and serverless technology like that completely blew my mind and like that is definitely the future yeah uh and you know something that you know if if anyone isn't um up to speed with that i'm i, I doubt that there is anyone that is not aware of those things but like that is definitely the way that we should be architecting mm-hmm. our 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 systems but yeah. yeah, that that was one of the things I was like that completely fascinated me. Yeah, well, um, I, I this and I, I appreciate. Yeah, we're probably slightly gone off topic as well here. But I <laughs> this is just me having my natural curiosity in the in your industry, and I think yeah, yeah. that's probably important within your industry to, to have a natural curiosity to, to to challenge things and whatnot. But I've 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 noticed a lot of like a lot more like things that have become more and more important are soft skills like what what like what kind of mm-hmm. maybe two or three soft skills would you say is like is important to define within maybe a junior developer like if they kind of feel they need to focus on like some softer skills what do you think is going to be like most valuable for them mm-hmm. um i first of all yeah i i completely agree with you that you know soft skills is something that is generally might be like undervalued or neglected at at, at early stages, like like during interviews and whatever, you might just think, you know, just looking at CVs, for instance, you know, those are the the one thing you don't really notice are the soft skills. Right. Um, And it's, it's nothing that you can take an accreditation for. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, But yeah, I guess the, the, the one thing that I look like when I, I, I've been, I've been lucky enough that I've been involved in the recruitment process, both at my previous position at the BBC and my current position where I'm at, at Trupa, where I'm working at now. Um, the one thing I look for in what in candidates is um, just generally how they how how comfortable they are in in just talking casually. Mm-hmm. So like making sure you have like good communication skills and. Um, and so the, 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 I guess the top thing is how, how, how approachable you are, how friendly you are. So like, that's, that's my number one. 
And my number two is um, how you, how you, how easy it is for you to explain what you're working on. So for me, a big part of, of, um, of being a, a software engineer, especially an experienced one, is about mentoring younger people. Mm-hmm. So um, when I when I conduct interviews with candidates, I want to see, and you know, I when we do a tech test, like I ask them to, you know, just be very vocal and talk uh, talk talk us through their their thinking and explain what it is they're doing and everything, because I want to see how they approach. First of all, first of all, how they approach solving a problem, but secondly, how they how how good they are at communicating what they're thinking, so that they could explain that to someone who is less experienced than them, and. Um, you know, like share knowledge with anyone else that's working with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess those are the two things that I, I value the most, you know, like sharing knowledge and, and be, how, how eloquent they are, you know, like explaining their thought process. And yeah. second, approachable. We want to we want to create an, an environment where anyone is, first of all, is, 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 is free to share their thoughts and share their knowledge and, and speak up and, uh, you know, share their mind, but also um, a, a, an environment where where we can all share, learn things from each other, and mm-hmm. and and pair, and you know, mob on certain pieces if, if it's if it's applicable. You know, and just just that kind of um, give and take working situation. Uh, you know, I, I I hope that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure, for, for sure. Um, yeah, I, th- I think especially when it comes to soft skills as, as well. Though there's there's so many um, there's so many little things. I guess it is hard to put a finger on one thing because you, you're like ah, mm. well, that that is obviously important. And and like you mentioned there, that's one thing that I've I've um, I've started mentioning to hire managers like how well this individual artic- articulates and, and, and breaks down exactly. their projects. Um, because if they can explain it to me, who hasn't really got too much of an idea about what they're talking about, um, <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, um, uh, if they can explain it to me and I understand it, imagine what they could do in, in your environment. So um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, well, well, listen, Anthony. Um, obviously, really, really cool discussion there. Um, definitely, it ran over the time. Uh, it's probably because I was asking you loads of questions out of my curiosity. But thank you very much, honestly, for your for your contribution. Um, if any of you listeners have any further questions for Anthony, uh, want to pick his brain on a few things, or, or just want to find out a little bit more about Truepill and what they're doing, um, I'll tag them obviously in the comments below as well. Um, and again. Thanks for listening to to this episode of the the Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Jordan, and this episode's guest, uh, Anthony. If you still have any questions uh, around full stack development, obviously get in touch with ourselves. Anthony, drop us a message on LinkedIn as well. But uh, yeah, please don't make sure you miss out on our uh, future episodes. Follow us on LinkedIn and Spotify. And thanks again, Anthony. Have a great evening. Thank you very much, Jordan. 